and welcome to the All Japan Women's Destiny podcast. I'm your host, JD. Welcome to another episode as we go through the history of All Japan Women's Professional Wrestling through the classics episodes that you can find uh, on various places of the internet. I vastly encourage to follow along and learn and enjoy the history of this just awesome women's wrestling promotion of the past. This is a spin-off in conjunction with the Red Leaf Retrocast. That is the proper episode where these come from. We hope you enjoy our audio and our uh, discussions over the various wrestlers and the matches in which we go through the ages. If you like what you hear and you want more content, please consider checking out the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, all one word, where we also cover LLPW, various other uh, women's wrestling promotions of the past, and the project that the whole reason it exists is the Joshi 2010's journey, where we go through coming out of the dark ages of Joshi professional wrestling and really learning and having fun with wrestlers that we're very familiar with to this day to ones that we may have missed out on. I hope you enjoy the audio you're about to hear covering AJW. And if you want more, please, again, consider signing up to the Patreon and leaving us reviews over at iTunes, Spotify, and the like, all your favorite podcasting outlets in which you listen to AJW and the Redley Fletcher cast. Enjoy. And welcome to the latest All Japan Women Destiny part of this podcast. Very excited to cover the 1993 Japan Grand Prix Finals, which took place. God, I got to pull this up. Just closed it. Oh, no. What a disaster to start. Uh, it took place on August 21st, 1993. Uh, right before the massive Legacy of Queen show that's uh, that's occurring in like three days from this Cork and Hall show, uh, full attendance here at Cork and Hall, twenty three hundred allegedly is <laughs> their wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder lineup here. And before I go into what happened from the Grand Prix, there was a match of the Grand Prix I was able to find from a show that took place on June 11th at Corken Hall, 20, only 2150 for these for this one. But it, it featured uh, Masami Watanabe losing to Sami Numata for the junior title. Saki Asagawa defeated Toshio Yamada, which was pretty damn good. I believe that was another Grand Prix match. Uh, Hasegawa continues to just be on an upward trajectory. And that really got me thinking about where does this promotion see Toshio Yamada right now? And I, I talked about Toshio Yamada compared to Shuri and uh, the level that Yamada got to. And I love Yamada. I love watching her. She has a very unique uh, gimmick and style to her, but she is definitely nowhere near the top of this promotion comparatively to, say, Kyoko Inoue. Nowhere near Aja Kong and Bulnakano. Akira Hokuto has just transcended everybody. <laughs> like, it's just not even close where Akira Hokuto is. 
And then you got uh, like second tier of people like Yumiko Hota, Toshio Yamada, where they like kind of keep them strong, but they don't like truly believe in them. And then you have your tier that they're trying to elevate at all times. And that's LCO. That's Saki Hasegawa. That's Takako Inoue. That's these people that are that they're really trying to position uh, to get to that second level to join Toshio Yamada, if you will. And this was a good, I mean, the Hasegawa-Yamada match was a good representation of that. Uh, and it's the Grand Prix, so anything could happen. And I watched in full the Hikari-Fukuoka-Kyoko in a way 30-minute draw. And the first 10 minutes was a little, you know, Kyoko in a way special where it goes into her wacky, unique little, uh, my God, getting hit with messages here. Oh boy. God, the spam calls are just nuts today. That's what's happening. Okay. Um. Kyoko went away going into her wacky little unique submission holds for a good period of time. It's a very flawed aspect of her game. But Hikari Fukuoka is like Minami Toyota, but JWP. And she just, but she's definitely more technical. So she's able to sell these a lot better than I have seen other people. Kyoko went away, try this on. And when they get past that 10 minute mark, this match is straight fire. I gave a full three. I think this was. Not as good as the Kyoko Inoue Minami Toyota 30-minute draw in the tournament, but this was pretty close because what ends up happening is it sh- it sure seems like they emptied the tank of their arsenal and they just don't know the next level in their game yet. Kyoko Inoue has a bum shoulder. Hikari Fukuoka attacks it. And when Kyoko Inoue goes for the Niagara drivers and the like, uh, Fukuoka counters into big armbar spots and the crowd just goes to their feet and I bought it as a total finish. Hikari Fukuoka with the most beautiful moonsault in the game now. She is amazing at this. She just flies gracefully through the air and Fukuoka hasn't developed a top level part of her game yet, but she's on she's on the rise. She's on the rise hard and it really makes you wonder how quick JWP is going to put her in those top positions to succeed against the Dynamite Kansai's Miami Ozaki's, and they're kind of already there. She just needs to develop a little extra aspect to her game. And so Fukuoka goes to the well one too many times with the moonsault in a way, uh, blocks one, and then gets out of the way on another late in the match, and one-armed Kyoko Inoue lifts her up for a Niagara driver, and the bell rings before she's able to hit it and pin her. So, good match, full three marks here. And then probably one of the greatest squash matches of 1993, Akira Hokuto beats Yasha Kuridai in like two minutes where they like mock each other's poses. Yasha gets a, gets a, uh, uh, like a wooden sword, beats Hokuto's bum knee, hits multiple choke slams, which is their finisher. Hokuto no sells like three in a row. Yasha hits four, hits one from the top. Okay. She's selling a little bit more. And Yasha tries to go for a splash. Hokuto gets the knees up and then just taunts the crowd. Someone tosses her a sword to get revenge. She tosses it away, hits the Northern Lights palm and knee on the throat pin. It's over. Phenomenal squash. I love these Yasha Kurenai squash matches. I saw it against uh, Bolnakano. Definitely saw the Shinobu Kandori one. This was, and if you listen to those LLPW reviews over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Retrocast, you'll be able to follow along with LLPW. And I read a couple reviews of this match in particular because it was so unique of the era. But 
in the context of LLPW and what we've been watching, this is how Yashikura and I gets booked. She is a delinquent that gets what's coming to her, and it's very quick. And she doesn't, you know, if it's not the goofy little hardcore stipulation or a walk and brawl into a bunch of chairs, Yashikura and I has lost a lot of matches in under five minutes uh, throughout 1993. So there's the context behind that. So let's get into the Grand Prix Final. Uh, it's the, let's say, Block A winner faces the runner-up of Block B. And then the Block B winner faces the runner-up of Block A. So we got Akira Hokuto and Manami Toyota, and then we have Yumiko Hota and Harley Saito. Which is interesting because we just got that, uh, I think it was the Hokuto-Saito, uh, um, Harley Saito match just a couple weeks prior. So a little weird in the, uh, a little weird in the arsenal of booking there, but, uh, or timing, but hey, you're on Harley Saito's time. And as for the card, before I get into those key matches, uh, this card in the under areas was very uh, poor. They had a small person match, if you will. Mr. Budaman defeats Temizo Tsunokake. Don't know why that exists here. It might have something to do with the depleted injured roster and the uh, amount of people we've seen debut is very slim. In terms of AJW, the last couple of years, we had a two-on-one handicap match. Tomoko Watanabe defeating the uh, scrub rookies of Chaparita Asari. And I believe this was the first time they've used her name as that, which I believe is the Little Clam, I think. Uh, Chikako Shiratori, we've seen her before, but Tomoko uh, beat them both. So there you go. They are calling Etsuko Mita and Suzuka Minami the actual Twin Towers, so no Sid Vicious here. Although I would like to see what an Etsuko Mita Sid Vicious impression would be like. You know, crush a car, crush her car in the parking lot, and she jumps on it going, Nani! <laughs> Who would be Goldberg? Bull Nakano in this situation? No, Bull Nakano, I knew it! Why? <laughs> Well, they beat Mima Shimoda trying her hardest to get a good match out of this, but unfortunately, Sami Numata has to get in the ring at some points here, and it really drags it down. 17 and a half minutes this sucker went. Oh, this was brutal to get through. Bull Nakano defeats Bat Yoshinaga, 14 minutes. Bull Nakano, one of the most giving wrestlers in a ring I've ever seen, especially considering she's such a huge star and supposed to be this huge power wrestler, and and big, like, unbeatable force for, like, four years. And yet, here's Bat Yoshinaga, fake shoot, tough person, comes in with rolling wheel kicks and a shitty neck right now. And Bolnikano, like, sells for her for 12 minutes and finally puts her down with, I think she won with a leg drop. Uh, very bizarre kind of formatted match, but Bolnikano trying to make something out of nothing. And I believe this is one of Bat Yoshinaga's last matches in her career. I think she has only a handful more. She tries to come back. Uh, but this was it. This was it. And then we get to Akira Hokuto defeating Manami Toyota just under 17 minutes in the semifinals. Uh, this is anywhere from four and a half to five stars. This match was utterly phenomenal on the Big Dave scale. Uh, he didn't rate this match, and I'd really be curious to see what he would have given it, but 
uh, on Cage Match, it has almost a 9 rating, which I absolutely agree with. There's a review over on Scott's blog of Doom. Uh, covering this, uh, he gives it... What did he give it? Uh, this is not the right card. He gave it, I believe, 4.75, uh, which is pretty nuts. So what this match is, it's the greatness that you'd expect out of a Minami Toyota match, where she's just balls to the wall the whole time. And Akira Goto, remember, she blew out her knee against Harley Saito on a previous show. So she's working on one leg here the entire time, and she's selling the hell out of it. Minami Toyota's going after it a little bit. She's doing her big moonsault. She's doing dives the outside. Hokuto, living up to her end of the bargain. This thing's like quadruple taped up. <laughs> her knee is being literally held together by like knee pads <laughs> and tape. How this woman's able to walk, I don't know. She's like Joe Thornton with two blown ACLs just finishing a playoff game. It's nuts what this woman is capable of. And this is what separates. It's shit like this. What separates the all-time greats from your mid-wrestlers of like the 2000s. You know, not everyone's Yoshiko Tamura, but a lot of people are like Nanai Takahashi, if you catch my drift. There aren't a lot of Akira Hokuto's out there where they're pulling in match of the year contenders on one leg while Minami Toyota is trying to blow her ass up with a million drop kicks, running cornered, corner to post herself <laughs> and face planting on floors. Like two all time greats trying everything they can to give you the best match possible with the most heat. And this truly was a match that they probably had in mind a few years ago when Hokuto ruined her knee in that, um, I think it was a quarterfinal against Manami Toyota, and that took her out of the tournament. Like, this was the match that they really wanted to have. And now with Hokuto being one of the biggest stars in wrestling right now, I'm talking all wrestling, she needed to win this match without question. If she if 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 she was adamant to go and they weren't gonna they they weren't gonna pull her out, she had to win. She had to win it all. And she absolutely did. Uh I could ramble on about every single move that they did in the match, but in reality, you have to watch it yourself. It is one of the greatest Joshi matches I've ever seen. And it's here it is, the semifinals in a sub seventeen minute match, just in the mid card of the Grand Prix on the Grand Prix final. Uh, it, it's it's surreal to watch. And then we're followed up with Yumiko Hota defeating Harley Saito in an 11-minute uh, match that the Sandman would cook up when it's 1 a.m. and you just gotta go to bed, buddy. He'd put this on. This was 11 minutes of fuck-all boring submission work. And it drove me insane. I came off this huge high watching Hokuto and Toyota tear each other apart, flipping around the ring to, okay... I can see what they want out of this match. Hotz is going to hit some maybe Germans, kick a bunch. Saito's going to hit her Germans, kick a bunch. And they kicked like a little. And they went after each other's legs on the mat. And I was very tired after that. Hota versus Hokuto in the finals. It is. Very underwhelming there. Now, this was a good representation of what they're trying to do uh, with much of the roster. It's Kyoko Inoue, Kyoko Inoue, Takako Inoue, Toshi Yamada defeating the team of Aja Kong, 
Kaoru Ito and uh, Inferno Kaoru. So Kaoru Meta is still in the CMLL uh, Demon Mask. This went 20 minutes, and this was pretty damn good. I, I, very, I, I vastly enjoyed this. I am still begging Kairo Ito to come up with something other than a running foot stomp and get rid of the Peter Pan gear. I can't help myself. It's it's just a it's a maddening sight <laughs> at this point in time. But the key figures in this match were actually Kaorito or Kaorumeda and Takako in a way for me. Yes, I got the I got plenty of interactions of Kyoko in a way with her bum shoulder trying to take on Aja Kong. That's that's a very good growing uh, rivalry there of where Kyoko Inoue is hitting the wall that is Aja Kong. And Yamada is just kind of this bit player on the side. It's it's uh, I, I know kind of why they are pitting her in such a position. There's just a few other wrestlers that are just way higher than her on the list at this point in time. But why Toshi Yamada isn't geared up for like a red belt match? You know, I don't know why they... Between the the era of Joshi in the 80s and 90s is very much along the lines of a boxing title. You will defend it maybe once, maybe twice. You'll have this like wacky four to six hundred day reign with like two defenses. <laughs> or you'll just lose it on the first try because you only defend it once every 300 days. It's, it's very wacky how they book these things. Because if you ask me who right now is the All-Pacific champion, like I know who it is. I know who the world all japan uh champion is but in terms of like them coming out with the belts and showcase them they don't do that in the era i'm very critical on llpw that they have this title that they just never show kandori never comes out with the llpw title i it's just the time and era i don't agree with it i think that's kind of weird to not showcase that you're the champion but that's what the joshi industry industry was back then and you know, if you're pulling in sold out Corkins and you're running essentially Budokan Hall, then, you know, who am I to truly critique? I could say when they're starting to fall, what things that they could do, but they're, they're, everyone's hot right now in 93. Even LLPW uh, running like boring shows half the time and trying to push new talent and the elevation of Mickey Honda, they're still selling out Corkin for the most, most part as well. So, let's see. Oh, the match itself, it was it was like an entertaining mess where it's just, you know, Aja Kong's throwing, trying to throw a uh, a back fist, but then all of a sudden you'll see, like, Takaka Winaway and <laughs> pull uh, Toshi Yamada out of the way and start fighting Kong. Or uh, Inoue and Kaoru Meida are going at it, and Kong th- tries to throw a back fist, and they just kind of run into each other. Very weird things uh, throughout the match that are kind of like that. Just kind of funny. Then we get to the finals. Akira Hokuto and Yumiko Hota. 19 minutes, 52 seconds. Akira Hokuto on one leg gets it worked for like 15 minutes. Hota is all about the ground. And it's very dull for a good chunk of it. Hokuto is just selling this thing like it's almost like she's legit hurt or something and she can't walk because that's what it sure looks like. (laughs) You know, she's on the outside. She's hobbling along. The legs mostly straight all the time. She doesn't want to bend it. 
She has flashes of energy and Hota. She's just not doing much to try to elevate this match into other levels. And that was the difference between this and the Manami Toyota match. Manami Toyota was like, oh, you can't walk? It's okay. I'll run for the both of us. While Hota, she's like, oh, you can't walk? Great. I'll stand still. <laughs> that was her idea. And it, it made for two just completely different matches when, in reality, you probably should have Hota kicking people more, doing a striking game, and building up to, you know, the big power moves, her pyramid driver, her her tiger drivers. And yes, we did end up getting to the same point, but the build to it was so boring and dull that you just couldn't help but notice what this match was missing. And that was an intensity and energy to it that Hota just does not bring to her matches, at least at this point in time in 1993, in the context of where she's been. Now it is, you know, Marine Wolves kind of... Marine Wolves versus Fire Jets. We got that history there. The Hokuto against Hota. Uh, both from the same class. They they have a lot of callbacks that they can do. And I really feel like they didn't do any of that. It was just Hota trying to work the leg, doing knee bars. And, you know, maybe if she was, she had more things to do in her own mind where it's like, hey, I'll lock in a figure four. How does that sound? Uh, instead, she's doing terrible one-legged crabs and just sitting on her. Um and Hokuto, she she did a lot of good transitions into into like big boot sequences and trying to hit big power moves. And that's when the match finally got going was when Hokuto was in charge and trying her comeback. Uh, now, I will say the last four minutes of this was fantastic because the near falls and the bombs started being thrown. And that's when Hota finally hits a tiger driver, never hits the pyramid driver that is heavily protected. Hokuto gets out of that. But she was hitting, she was hitting big high kicks. She hit uh, a couple power slams. They're doing things from the top rope, very much in the same realm of like Hokuto and Toyota, which got people on their feet, including myself. But when it was all said and done, uh, the Tiger Driver was not enough. She couldn't hit the Pyramid Driver and Hokuto, nor, uh, not even hitting her Northern Lights bomb to build up. She was hitting the Gut Wrench Suplex Power Bombs that was putting people away throughout the tournament. And she does hit one Northern Lights bomb right at the end, and that's all it is. It, it, it's been established as the ultimate kill move for Akira Hokuto, and she wins the Grand Prix. And as for the Grand Prix itself, entirely too long for so little matches. They just scattered a match here and there. It lasted from like May 5th to, what is this, August 20, 21st. So it's so long to try to follow along in this tournament. And my, even myself, who has kind of these classics episodes to go by, I really had to search for these matches kind of one by one. I'm using kanji and whatnot to look for certain matches, and I only came up with a handful that I really got to see. Uh, was the Grand, Did the Grand Prix have great matches? Absolutely. Totally. Completely. Like, anything Akira Hokuto did was a home run. Anything Minami Toyota did was essentially a home run that we were able to see. Uh, Kyoko Wenoue had a rough tournament, uh, whether it was her injuries or that's how they booked it. Uh, to tell the story, uh, she had a bad tournament in terms of points, but a good tournament in terms of production. Uh, her 220 or 230-minute draws against Akari Fukuoka and Toyota were good stuff. I gave full threes to that. And Harley Saito and Hikari Fukuoka being the outsiders coming in, I thought they were booked very well and utilized very well. 
Uh, the only thing I would have probably changed is Harley Saito losing to Hokuto so late in the tournament when there could have been probably much more contextual momentum uh, for Saito in order to truly believe she had a shot at beating Hota because it sure, it sure seemed like in that match that Saito had no chance of winning. So Hokuto wins. She is now granted a red belt title match down the line. And I believe that's going to come in the uh, early October um, show that they're running. So it's going to be Aja Kong versus Hokuto. But due to Hokuto being very prideful of her work, she requests the red belt match to not be for the title. Because I guess she feels that she's on her last leg, literally. Uh, probably thinking about retirement just about now with yet another injury hampering her. That she doesn't want to lie to the fans that she has a chance of winning. So it's going to be Aja Kong versus Hokuto in a special singles match with no title on the line. And really, we know what happens, and that's Hokuto loses. Just make it a title match, and Hokuto loses. That's okay. But that was not their mentality back then. And we saw it at Big Egg. Hokuto finally wins the big one and then refuses the title. So in my mind, this is her biggest accomplishment in her career in terms of like an accolade. Uh, she is the current All-Pacific champion. She She's definitely in that Mimi Hagiwara realm of specialty champion and not the top champion, but definitely the top star in terms of buzz and what they bring to the table. There's a lot of similarity, as I was thinking about, between Hokuto and uh, Hagiwara of their eras. And Hokuto, at this point, if you want to say she retires tomorrow, or she retires after that Aja Kong match, and she kind of does. You know, she goes to Mexico, she gets married, she kind of briefly wrestles in Mexico for a little while, so all of 1994, she's just gone, right? There's a big hole to be, there's a big hole there with her just out, and she's not going to miss any time due to this injury. They're going to just give her slightly less dates. <laughs> so hopefully the the torn knee will reattach itself. Very wacky how the mentality worked back then with just going through injuries. Oh, you can't walk? Well, walk it off. <laughs> and that does it for All Japan Women Destiny. Our next couple episodes is going to cover the Legacy of Queen show. That will be uh, for... The August 25th, 1993, that will be over, um, let's see, I believe that's going to be three straight episodes of the Legacy of Queens. And then after that, we get into the uh, Russell Marine Piad. I'm not exactly sure, I'll have to double check when that Aja Kong Hokuto special singles match happens, because that has to be covered on this podcast. That'll do it for me. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to check out the Patreon if you want more classic Joshi talk and classic coverage of LLPW and the Joshi 2010's journey. Journey through Joshi out of the Dark Ages. I'm in 2012 right now. Just did a stardom episode uh, with uh, a few title matches between Io Shirai, Natsuki Tayo, um, Nanai Takahashi against Mako Satomura, which is a huge match for stardom, possibly their biggest title match to date. And the constant praise of Yuzuki Aikawa breaking barriers and breaking uh, heads over her amazing kicks. So go check that out. 
That does it for AJW.